Hi everyone! Before we dive into the content for today, I just wanted to pop in and say Happy New Year! I hope you guys had a restful holiday. I just wanted to talk a little bit about this episode before we get started. Um, so, I recorded this episode with my friend during the daytime, and we recorded in this room, and it was echoey. And since it was during the daytime, there will be background noise. Uh, you'll probably hear traffic um, and birds chirping here and there. So I just wanted to say, I just wanted to apologize for the bad audio quality of this for this episode. But hopefully, the content isn't that bad. So without further ado, let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Sagawine. I'm your host Jay, and for today's episode, I have a special guest who is also a good friend of mine. She's going to go by the initial N, and we're going to talk about books. <laughs> so, uh, welcome. Thank you so much for uh, joining me today. Um, hi. Yeah. <laughs> hi. So, for our listeners, um, just to give a little background, we both like really like to read and ever since the coup we've been trying to read more books about Myanmar so we have a few books that we are going to talk about and we recommend everyone to read it if you can so um, the first book that we're going to talk about is called The Hidden History of Burma and it's written by the historian Damien Wu I think I've mentioned this book in my first episode, um, but yeah, we're just going to start off with that. Uh, What did you think about this book? I think it's, like, it's mostly just very informative. Mm -hmm. Like, for us, I think Mm -hmm. we knew, like, a lot of the things that were were in it because we were here for most, a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. It's so uh, this book talks a little bit about the political history of Myanmar and it mainly kind of talks about the transition from military rule to a quasi democracy. And that was also, he was an advisor or he was a di- diplomat, but he worked very closely with the military. Yeah, with Bing Sang's government. I think he was like part of a lot of index. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was back in twenty ten, right? Yeah. Yeah, so he worked closely with the military. Yeah. Because they, they kind of call themselves like civilian. Like they said they were democratically elected, but mm-hmm. they were from the military party basically. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. And that twenty ten election wasn't seen as legitimate. Yeah. And a lot of people and a lot of political parties boycotted that election. And Aldi didn't run, right? And Aldi yeah. didn't run, and there were also other ethnic parties that didn't run. Yeah. So it, I don't think if if you ask anybody, the first ever free and fair election took place in twenty fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but yeah, this book also talks about. There was a part where he talks about like the natural disaster that happened in. Is it 2007 or 2008? 
Yeah. Yeah, 2008. Yeah. And the military government wasn't equipped to... They just didn't know what to do. Yeah, they didn't know how to handle it. And then in terms of humanitarian aid, they weren't allowing humanitarian aid come into the country. I think it was because, like, they didn't trust. Yeah, they didn't. Like, the Western... Because a lot of aid groups are, like, from Western. Mm -hmm. Yeah. From Western countries. Yeah. And he also talked about... um, the relationship between Myanmar and like the international community, like for example, the U.S. and you know sanctions and how that affected yeah. the country, um, yeah. But yeah, Cyclone Nargis. When I was reading about that, I was like, oh, like because we lived through it, and yeah. then we were like back in middle school. We were like 11, 12. We yeah. were young. Yeah, we were really young. Yeah, it was yeah. like sixth grade. Yeah, and then. It was really, it was really scary because like none of us have ever experienced that. And I remember because like they didn't announce it. The government didn't mm-hmm. announce any storm at all. Yeah. That's why like I remember like we, I found out about it because I went to school and then the right. security guards were like, no, go home mm-hmm. because the American embassy I think mm-hmm. warned the school that there was going to be a cyclone. So they sent us all home and they told us to buy like rice oil. Like, Oh, stock up. Just stock up. Yeah. yeah. And we didn't have electricity. Oh my god, yeah. We didn't have electricity for a couple of days, right? Yeah. And, and water. <laughs> you didn't have water? No. Because I remember at that time, the apartment that I lived in, they had a generator mm-hmm. that broke because of the water. Oh so we had no electricity. There was no water. But yeah, back to the book. I mean, it was very informative. I think it uh, yeah, taught me a lot of a lot about like the previous government mm-hmm. or the civilian government took over mm-hmm. and I mean I think anyone who wants to learn more about Myanmar should definitely read this book because it's very yeah. informative and it's not especially like about the last I would say 10 years mm-hmm. I mean this book the the first like few chapters it go it starts from like when the British took over yeah and they, so they, they will cover that, but most of it is from the last 10 years, starting from the Thingsay administration mm-hmm. up to when the book was published, which was like 2019, 2020. Yeah, it's pretty, yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty recent, think about it. But yeah, um, this is a good book. And he's also written other books, but I have not read, I read them either. Yeah. This is a bit more recent and I guess more relevant, I guess. Yeah. With everything that's going on, so. I think. For me, like reading this book, the main point I agreed with with the author is that if you want peace in this country, if you want like a true democracy, a federal democracy, like you have to look beyond your, I guess, ethnic differences. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. um, he did say like when the British took over, they kind of took a census, but in taking a census, they they kind of put people like different groups into like rigid category, yeah. and then I guess people identified mm-hmm. with that, and then mm-hmm. from then just like spiraled into like what it is now yeah it's a lot of conflict yeah yeah i would say read this if you're like if you're interested in how myanmar got to where it is yeah 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 yeah. because the history of myanmar is pretty complex yeah and so i think this book did a good job of like summarizing summarizing it and you know using the right terms and yeah so 
definitely would recommend this book. But I would say he's a little bit biased. Yeah, <laughs> towards <laughs> the end. Yeah, towards the end. end. Yeah, a little bit. It's because he was salty that got mm-hmm. pushed aside by NLD, I guess. Yeah. But, I don't know, I, I still really, really liked him as an author. It yeah. Just, he writes very concisely. and mm-hmm. It's just informative in a very digestible way. Yes, digestible, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, that's book number one. The second book we want to talk about is called Miss... Burma. This is uh, written by Charmaine Craig. She is half Burmese. Yes. Because her mother is. Her, her mother, who is like the, I guess, the main subject yeah. of this book, is half Jewish and half Korean. Yeah. Korean is an ethnic minority group in Myanmar, and the Korean people are one of the groups that have been. Um, in armed conflict with the main government yes. since independence, really. Yes, they've been persecuted. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. They've been persecuted. Um, yeah, so this story is mainly about like families, war, survival. So much trauma. It's a lot of trauma. I would not recommend you to read it in the morning. <laughs> because I read it in the morning and I was like, oh my god. I think I... I Binged it. I read it in you like did. two days, and I was oh, like, "Oh my god!" I couldn't have. Oh, I don't think I would have been able to do that because it's too much. <laughs> so the book is technically fictional, but it's like very. It's it's based on the author's mother's life, and it, it can be a little slow because there's a lot of like internal monologue. I mm. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But the way the story is, it starts out with Benny. Benson, yes. Saul, like later he'll become known as Saul Benson, mm-hmm. who is a Jewish, like, yeah, he's Jewish, and then he meets Ken, yes. yeah, and then, oh my god, they just get married, they, they can't married. even talk to they each other. They don't speak the same language, yeah, which was, like, astonishing, because how do they, well, I, I guess in the book they kind of talk about how that was a barrier yeah. for them, and yeah, so. Yeah, he talked about how, like, he, like, she could speak like nearly fluent Burmese and he could only speak like very little so he talked about how like when he replied to her it was very like like a child's language Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so there wasn't any depth when they would talk yeah I guess yeah because of that and um so there was a lot of war going on because world war world war two was happening and then it was a lot of Running, sur- trying to survive, survive the war. So yeah, trigger warning, there's torture, there's rape, there's death, there's mm-hmm. mutilation, there's a lot. A so lot. Yeah. just be forewarned if you're going to read this book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and it's called Miss Burma because Louisa, oh, the yeah. author's mom, is Myanmar's Burma. First, first ever, yeah, Miss Burma. Burma. Yeah. yeah. I read this back in 2020, I think. So, you know, before anything happened like the coup <laughs> i read this 2019 yeah oh, okay yeah but then when i read it i, I will admit i had to reread some parts because you know the history there's a lot going quite, on yeah that. it's quite complex so there were times where i had to reread it and like i'm not sure if i understand it but now i was kind of so i like bookmarked some of the pages and i was kind of going through it to prepare for this episode and then there was this part where they were talking about like uh, so there's a term now it's called divide and rule 
Muslim deaths, the British would usually recruit um, ethnic minorities as like their soldiers, like so they yeah. would fight alongside the British mm-hmm. against the, the Burmans. So the, the Burmans are the majority ethnic group in Myanmar. Yeah. And um, the Burmans have always oppressed been the oppressor of yeah. all these ethnic minority groups. And so when the British came, these ethnic minorities kind of sided with them. Yeah, like Because like the Burmans were always their like ancestral enemy, yeah. their arch enemy. So mm-hmm. I guess the British they didn't create the divide, but they just exploited it mm-hmm. for their own gain. Yeah, yeah. The British would recruit the current, the Kayin people, to fight against the Burmans. But when they would talk, when the British would talk about like administrative work and things like that, like they would favor the Burmans more yeah. over the ethnic minority groups. And so it's very complex. It's very complex. Because the British were, were colonizing and then the Burmans are like, no, we want them out. So they asked the Japanese for help. And then when the Japanese came and helped, the Japanese became like the second. Like they were worse. They were worse, yeah. And so the, the Burmans asked for the British, British, British for help again. So the British would come in to fight off the Japanese. <laughs> it was, yeah, so yeah. It was a lot of like back and forth. And yeah, yeah the, the ethnic minorities basically just got caught. Yeah. Again. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that book really talked about that. But obviously before the coup, I was reading it and I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, that, that's all. But now I, when I reread it, I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, like, Oh, I get it now. (laughs) So, yeah, I think for anyone who's going to read books about Myanmar, it's normal to be very confused about what's happening. (laughs) Yeah, we are, like, I myself had to reread it again, and then now I'm like, oh, okay, I get it now. It makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it did take me a while to get through because it was... (laughs) (laughs) Like, a lot of the internal monologues, I... Found that I skimmed through because mm-hmm. it was like slow, I guess. Yeah. But oh, towards the end, all the the, the descriptions of the trauma and stuff. I was like, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, I guess it's supposed to be realistic because at that time people did go through mm-hmm. so much, and there are people now going through the same things. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that I realized was, you know, when I was reading it and I was reading through all that graphic thing being mutilated and tortured, I was like, oh, that's this is hard to read, you know? Yeah. But when I was rereading some some of the parts now, I was like, oh, shit, like, it's happening it's today. Happening <laughs> it's still happening. And it's, I don't know, it's a very strange feeling. Just be forewarned before you read this book because there's a lot of trauma and a lot of dark things. Yeah, on. yeah. And yeah, it's okay to be, like, confused mm-hmm. about the politics in this, mm-hmm. but... The main thing is like the story of this family that's mm-hmm. just trying to survive and trying to, I guess, there's like a mix of so many cultures in there too. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the next book that we're going to talk about is called From the Land of Green Ghosts, and it's written by Pascal Coutre. He is from an ethnic minority as well. He's from the Padao um, community, which is a very small ethnic minority in Jen State. In Jen State, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, this book is a memoir, so it's mm-hmm. nonfiction. Mm-hmm. There's also a lot of trauma. Yeah, there's a lot of trauma, 
yeah. we're just gonna say this now like almost every book we've written uh, we've read about Myanmar has trauma in it yeah it's <laughs> yeah. yeah it is yeah so it's a memoir um, in the beginning he talks a little bit he gives a background yeah. you know, he like, starts with his childhood yeah. his in, in the village with his family mm-hmm. and then how the politics sort of affected his family mm-hmm. and then he talks about his time in Mendeley where like, he goes to university and then he eventually becomes a student leader he, he became a student leader in the 88 revolution mm-hmm. which of course meant he was he got prosecuted so right. he had to go back to his village and then go on the run and eventually yeah. join with the KNU forces yeah. or ethnic armed organization yeah. yeah, so, yeah, this book is also about survival and family and, I guess... A lot of spirituality in this book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he talks a lot about his, like, animist beliefs and then combined with Catholicism. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, the funny... I remember a funny part of the book early on was his family converted to Catholicism. Mm-hmm. Because this priest randomly arrived at their village. Mm. This Italian priest oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. arrived at the village on the way to China, and the villagers captured him because they didn't they thought he was some sort of animal. Because he was white. <laughs> and then yeah, and then he like they eventually oh he's a priest, he's human. His family converted to Catholicism because his grandfather like bet the priest that if the priest won a wrestling match with him, that he would convert to Catholicism because it meant that his god was more powerful than the, <laughs> the traditional gods. <laughs> I remember that part very clearly. It was so funny. I don't remember that part. But I remember some parts, I remember reading and I was like like laughing at some parts because like, I think the way he wrote it sometimes was a bit like... It was... Okay. It was it it would it's dark but it's so funny too. Yeah, it is, yeah, like, really. There's like humor woven through. A lot yeah, of it. yeah. Okay, so backtrack a little bit. So he was a university student, mm-hmm. and then the 1988 revolution was pretty big in Myanmar. Um, it was led by university students mainly, and they were protesting against the military regime. And the military government responded violently. Yeah. They were killing and arresting students. Yeah. And um, as a result, he had to basically run, go on the run and hide in the jungle. And he basically became like um, part of the uh, ethnic armed group. And it's really interesting because he met this guy, this white guy, this at white- a tea shop. Yeah. Not a restaurant, a Chinese oh, restaurant. A Chinese restaurant, yes. He met this guy at a Chinese restaurant. Because someone told the guy that there's a waiter there mm-hmm. that really liked yeah. James Joyce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's very much into literature. Yeah. And he went to Mendeley to study English as yes. well. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then somehow, coincidentally, he met this guy and they started talking. And when, fast forward, you know. When he was in the jungle, yeah, he, he like reached out. Yeah, which was like really. <laughs> but yeah, in the book he talked about like when the when there was like the revolution and everything and there was a lot of changes, right? The government at that time they demonetized Yeah, so they so at first they demonetized like hundred notes and like fifty I think 
they wanted the notes to be like 25 75 like that yeah and then they did that and it wiped out a lot of people's savings mm-hmm. and then a little bit later did they, they did it again because they wanted the bank notes to be like denominations of nine yeah so mm-hmm. like everyone lost their money yeah. but yeah so a little context behind that the military government is known to be very superstitious and religious they still are now they still are now um so yeah they do a lot of you know black match i don't know how to call that in english i don't know either i guess like animus no they're not even like animus i don't know they do a lot of like um yeah like voodoo rituals yeah yeah, I would yeah say. rituals yeah rituals that, that would like bring them luck and victory and stuff yeah so yeah still till today they still do certain odd things that yeah so yeah, that part where he was talking about like monetizing certain like notes, I was like, wow. <laughs> My parents went through that too because they yeah. Were, yeah they moved here like the year after they moved here in '89 from yeah. Shen State. So yeah, they they they've been through. All that. Yeah, it's cra- like I mean, like imagine like. Okay, say that you can only have money like physical cash money. Mm-hmm. And you had a stack of hundred dollars, and then yeah. the U.S. Treasury is like, "Oh, hundred dollar bills are no longer valid." Yeah, and they also don't reimburse you with like smaller mm-hmm. notes. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, imagine basically losing all your savings, all your money. Yeah, that's and what happened. Not to mention, it was already a country that was a lot of people were already starving mm-hmm. because the government would buy rice mm-hmm. produce at the government set price. Like you were, you were. It was kind of like a serfdom in that like they would come and take like everything that they were owed, and then they would try to sell. It would be like you give me all your rice, and then you can buy it from them again. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Buy it from them at like ridiculously high prices. It's so messed up. But yeah, so that was uh, that was also another reason why the students were protesting against them. There was a lot of tension, and the political climate was very unstable um, today too <laughs> yeah today too but um i remember like he clearly said that the 88 revolution was the first time that a lot of young people were like oh it's not like the government the Bama government wasn't just exploitative towards ethnic mm-hmm. groups there were also like Bama people that were Bama students that mm-hmm. were protesting against right it. Okay, so the final book that we're going to talk about is called The Glass Palace, and it's written by Amitabh Gosh. I hope I'm pronouncing that name right. And he's an Indian writer, and yes. he's written many other books. But mm-hmm. It's a historical fiction that spans like more than a century. <laughs> three generations. Three generations of three families in three countries, but yes. they're all like, interwoven. Yeah. So the thing with this book, it's there's so many characters, it's gonna get hard to keep track of them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so this book starts off when the British The fall of the last Burmese kingdom. kingdom and the king and queen were were sent to India, right? They were exiled. And it's just about again, war <laughs> survival. Love, oh family, <laughs> family. <laughs> yeah, and there's yeah a little bit of violence at the in the middle at the end. There's a lot of you know, yeah. war, um, 
Yeah, so consistent <laughs> with other books. But not, not as graphic, I would say. Yeah, not yeah. as graphic. Yeah. 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 It starts out with this Indian guy who comes over from, I guess, the Bengal region. Mm-hmm. And he ends up, well, his, his parents die. Yes. And then he ends up working at this tea shop in Manali. Mm-hmm. And then he meets this Sayajan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sayajan. Yeah. And then he mm-hmm. like, sees the, the royal family falling and taken, mm-hmm. like, taken into exile, where yes. he sees this lady in waiting, I guess, yeah, called, yeah, yeah. called Dolly. Yeah. And I guess he kind of just fell in love with her, like, love at first mm-hmm. sight. Yeah. And yeah. then he, like, he goes into business. He, it's just like how his family and then the family that Dolly meets in India mm-hmm. and Sayajan's family, those three families that interweave over the, I guess, like century. Yeah, yeah. So it's basically a story about that and... I don't know, there's a lot yeah. going on in this book. <laughs> so it starts off in Manle mm-hmm. and then there's a book in Ratnagiri? Yeah, yeah. I think it's written in there, yeah. Ratnagiri. Yeah. Ratnagiri. And then in Malaya. Malaya. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Mandalay is a city in Myanmar. There's still the palace. Actually, never it's not the original. It's not the original. It's a it's all, yeah, yeah. destroyed. Um, I've been. It's kind of, there's nothing much there. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, they looted everything. Yeah. Because after the royal family left, I think the British it over and turned it into like a gentleman's club or like a club for their officers <laughs> yeah yeah but it's pretty if you like yeah it is distance. yeah so interesting but yeah i think out of the books that we discussed today mm-hmm. like the, the glass palace is probably the one that i would love to see turn into like a tv show oh really yeah because it's like a huge like, it's epic it's yeah it's oh yeah it could work because it's like three yeah, like a long standing yeah. show. And then, like, it's not just like separate families. They're all like, they marry each yeah, other, yeah. they interact with each other. Yeah. I don't know if that will happen, but it'll be cool if, if it, it did. did. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a favorite out of the books that we discussed? I mean, not really. They all serve, I mean, you all, you get different moods from them, although they cover like Very a lot of the same themes. The Glass Palace, I would want to see as a TV show. I think it would be really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Like, because I've always wanted to see a period drama set oh, in Burma. Like, yeah. I've always wanted to, like, a, a big, sweeping period drama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, like, I know so much about British history through watching <laughs> period dramas. Right. So I would love to learn about, like, Burmese history yeah. through, like, TV mm-hmm. and through, like, really well-done movies. Yeah, that'd be really cool, actually. Yeah. I think for me, Miss Burma kind of stands out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of see all these books as like pieces of puzzles yeah. to kind of put yeah, multiple perspectives. Yeah, the history of Myanmar. They all kind of like, they kind of stop in the 90s. I think the latest mm-hmm. was the Glass Palace stopped in the nine, like mm-hmm. 1990s. Yeah, yeah. So, and yeah, speaking of like film, TV, there aren't a lot of movies made. There's one called The Lady, and it's mainly about... Uh, we had to bootleg it. We had to pirate it. Yes. I think we bought, like, illegal copies because they wouldn't show it here at the time. We were in high school, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, so that movie, The Lady, is um, about Zhuang Sun Suji, who is a prominent 
political figure in Myanmar. And she's currently under, she's currently in prison. Yeah, she's in prison. But at the time, she was under house arrest. At the time, she was under house arrest, and the story kind of revolved around her. It's mainly about her and like her husband, husband. her husband and the 1988 student revolution and her involvement in the corporate democracy movement. Um, so yeah, that's, that's one movie which is pretty good. Michelle Yeoh was in it. Yeah, she played um, as Yeah. Oh, she got like she's blacklisted. She's blacklisted from going to Myanmar. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. she she played also G in that movie. Yeah. Yeah, but who like? I know there's a lot of movies that, like Burmese language mm-hmm. movies, but I haven't seen any that was like super high production. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I can only think about I can only think of the lady, and there's also another one called Beyond Rangoon. I watched it like a long time ago, but it, it's it's an older movie, I think. But um, it's it, it's about this like British woman who came to visit Myanmar and or Burma, and the nineteen eighty revolution started happening, and the airports were were closed, and she couldn't leave or something. And it's also very graphic. That movie was graphic. Really? Yeah, so graphic. I haven't seen it. But yeah, like, is it like a Western like? English movie? Yes, an English movie, yeah. Oh, so yeah. was it like, well, the main character was white? Or? Yeah, she, oh, she okay. was a, a white woman. Yeah, so yes, the movies that we mentioned were The Lady and Beyond Rango for anyone who is interested in watching these movies. Um, and if there's anyone that wants to make a movie on Myanmar, <laughs> she can try adapting <laughs> The Glass Palace. Like, I would love to see it. Yeah, so. Probably can't shoot it on location right now, but... Yeah. There are other books as well that's written about Myanmar by Burmese authors. Um, There's one uh, called Freedom from Fear. It's basically like a compilation of essays that are written by um, and there's also speeches, also essays written about her. (laughs) And it's pretty... <laughs> it took me a while to kind of get through that, and I haven't finished it. Yeah, it, it's it's, <laughs> it's very academic. Yeah, I went into it thinking it was gonna be like a cohesive, not like not novel, like a memoir. Mm. But <laughs> when it was, and I got like, oh god. So I took it by section by section, but I still haven't picked it up. Yeah. I think I'm about halfway through. Yeah, that that's that's fun, and there's also. Um, Burmese Days by George Orwell. It's mainly from he. It takes place during like Burmese, uh, Burmese, British colonization, and it's um, it shows like a perspective, like the colonist perspective. And um, oh wait, funny anecdote. Apparently, when Boris Johnson came here, he quoted Burmese Days. And then one of his advisors was like, oh, you shouldn't do that because, oh like, God. the Burmese people don't look at colonialism as a good thing. Yeah, I know, but the, in the book, there were, there were some characters that, well, like, when they would, like, talk to the, the British, they say, like, the king or, like, oh, holy one and things like that. So, oh, yeah, yeah. And that was, like, the whole reason why when Mojo Amsa and his third economists, they called themselves the king as, oh, yes. as a rebellion. Yeah. And there's another book, it's also a memoir called The Shan of Burma, and it's written by um, the son of the first president of Burma, and it's also very, um, 
it's more like dense because they talk, he talks mainly about Shan State because he is from Shan State. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and uh, yeah, there are a couple more books, but we're just gonna. Hey, talk about Shan Princess. I think you're. Oh, right, that book. Yeah. I forgot about that one, sorry. And there's another book called Twilight Over Burma My Life as a Shan Princess. And um, I read this in high school. I, don't I think I read it in middle school, but. Yeah. I, I flipped through it before this. It's about an Austrian woman who meets a Shan friend. No, she didn't know he was a friend. Uh, they met in university and then they, like, they got married and he brought her over and then yeah, surprise, no he was a prince. Yeah, and then, yeah, that's all I remember, to be honest. So um, you can kind of think of Shan State back then as like, oh, there were like a lot of principalities. I guess you kind of think of it as like the, the Holy Roman Empire where it was just like, bunch of mm-hmm. city-states and like a bunch of principalities yeah. and they're all called like princes I guess yeah, yeah. Um, um under the British they weren't under direct governance but they became mm-hmm. protectorates yeah so they were kind of like just left on their own to govern themselves mm-hmm. yeah yeah so these are some books about Myanmar if anyone is interested um so we're just gonna wrap up this episode we can probably do a part two after we read more, more other books. Yeah. yeah, actually, yeah, we could do a part two. Maybe in like a year. <laughs> um, if we come across more books and read more books about Myanmar. But for the time being, we will wrap up this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you the next time. Tune in. Bye bye. Come <laughs> <laughs> <Loud. laughs>